Today's show explores a basic human necessity that we all have in common. That is, it's a basic need for all of us, right? We all want to feel liked. We all want to feel like we're a part. We all want to feel like we belong and that we matter. What does it mean to put humanity at the center of business in the 21st century? Our guest is Alex Manrique, and we're going to learn her approach to service through fostering relationships and embracing the differences of others. Please stay with us. Welcome to Crummer Connections podcast series. I'm your host, J.B. Adams. In this series, I'm talking with members of the Crummer community and inviting them to share their accomplishments, challenges, and best career and business advice. Today's show is brought to you by the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. Consistently ranked as the number one MBA in the state of Florida, the Crummer School offers a variety of educational programs to prepare you to become a global, innovative, responsible business leader. The Crummer Graduate School of Business, experience excellence. This season of Crummer Connections is focused on examining service as we meet with Rollins and Crummer alumni who are serving the Crummer community as well as the community at large. Today's guest is Alex Manrique, Manager of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Universal Parks and Resorts, and currently serving as the President of the Alumni Board of the Crummer Graduate School of Business. After graduating from Crummer in 2007, she served as a mentor for students, and she continues her dedication to service both in and outside of the workplace. Our first segment is called Service is Personal, and it lets us understand our guests' personal motivations for leading and serving. Alex Manrique, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Alex, we are going to start right out of the gate by asking about your philosophy of service. What do you think it takes to serve others effectively? Where does your philosophy come from? I think serving others is really connecting with them and really finding out what is that speaks to them, what their needs are, because you could try to serve, but if you focus on what you believe service is that might not really match to what really people need so maybe getting to know people connecting with them finding out what their needs are i think that that is a better way to serve maybe a more efficient way to serve and is this a philosophy that comes naturally to you is it something that you came upon or something that evolved over time what motivates you to do it I think it has evolved over time. You always want to think that you've always been this wonderful person wanting to serve. But I think that, no, I think it's age. I think it's having children, uh, seeing that the world needs a lot of service, of connections, of coming together, of helping others. Um, I think that that really has impacted uh, my adulthood and made it a more important part of my life. It has always been a part, but I think that now it takes precedence. I, I want to really dig in. I'm going to dig a little deeper on what you just said right there. There's something that motivates you to do this. And you said caring about your children, in other words, caring about future generations mm -hmm. of people on this planet. What would happen if there was not enough service to go around? What What is the risk if we don't get involved in service? I think the risk is would be a negative impact to the future generations. So I always want, and you all absolutely all want to, always role model. So I think that instead of, yes, you want to teach your children and, and, and younger generations to do it because it's important you give me the, give them the reasons. But I believe that if you show them by example and role model, I think that's a more organic and authentic way to do it. Because 
we're in this together, right? That whole phrase that we experienced last year with coronavirus and the pandemic, we're in this together. I think we're in this together in many ways in life, right? In terms of global warming, this pandemic, society, mm -hmm. poverty, many, many social issues. And I think that if we take that mindset of we're in this together, it takes a different spin where we all feel like we belong, we have a responsibility, we have a part, and we have an opportunity to help. A little bit of kind of belonging and also accountability, um, I think helps in the long run. Excellent. Earlier, you mentioned that this is personal for you because you want to set a good example for your children. Tell me more about that. How, how do you connect service with setting a good example, not just, you know, for society at large, that's your contribution, you're giving back, but molding and shaping the lives of two people that live in your household? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, a big part for me. I have two daughters and it's always been so important to make sure that I'm positively role modeling for them. And I think with a Crummer board and all of the events and the sessions or the opportunities that, that I'm able to participate in, I've always kind of leveraged that to involve my children whenever it's appropriate to make sure that they're seeing that their mother has a place in the professional world and the business world the importance of networking, the importance of relationships, and really showing them that women, of course, are a vital part of the workplace of society, and that they too, of course, will have a, a spot and a place when they are older, whatever they choose that is, to feel like they're important contributors to society and to the workplace. I don't know what they're going to want to be when they grow up, but I do want to show them that women do have a, a place and that there's positions of leadership where women's voices are valued and are very important. And so there's a lot of Crummer sessions, Crummer events, where if it's open to family, I try to always bring my, my daughters to make sure that they're seeing that firsthand. Uh, I have a provocative question for you. Is it an opportunity or a responsibility? or both to show them to kind of model that I'm just intrigued by yes you have the chance to do it but some people won't take that chance mm -hmm. I'm saying it's a responsibility I, I just want to get your reaction to that yeah it is absolutely a responsibility when when you have the opportunity you have the responsibility to take that seat at the table right mm -hmm. But if it's not given to you, then you have to work hard to make sure that you find that seat at the table, that you push in other seats, right? If there's not one there, they're all filled, we'll push your, your own seat, right? As we've, we've seen that on different quotes and social media, bring your own seat to the table. I think it's important to make sure that you feel that it doesn't have to be given to you. There's an opportunity to, through your voice and your experience, show others that your insights and your perspectives are important. They're an important part of the dialogue. So yes, it is. You're right. Excellent. We're going to move on to our next topic, which is your backstory. And this gives us a chance to get to know you and to understand your early business influences. So I'm going to start with just some short answers. Uh, mm -hmm. Tell us where you were born and raised. I was born and raised in Bogota, Colombia in South America and did all of school 
and of the first year of college in Bogota. So I was born and raised and only came here to go to college when I was 19 years old. About 19, okay. What were your parents' occupations? Uh, my father was an architect and my mother was um, a senior leader in a multinational company that did exports and imports. Did you have early career aspirations? I think my mother was a, such a great example and role model. I saw how she was able to kind of keep that balance in her life where she was a great mother and she was an amazing professional. It's just so great to see her. She worked with Japanese companies, with Spanish companies, British. So she used to travel a lot to Europe and she was just able to share that knowledge of business, make sure that she did it also with a lot of kindness mm -hmm. and humility. She would connect and work with just people all over the world. My mother has taught me so many valuable lessons. The one thing that she always used to say is treat everyone with kindness, regardless of who they are. You never know the way that the world changes and things change and being kind to people will always pay off. Mm -hmm. When you grow up in a South American country like Colombia and specifically Bogota, which is a big city, a metropolitan city, but it's not very diverse. You have a lot of diversity around the country, but not specifically in the city. Mm. And so, yes, I saw some diversity because I grew up going to an American school. So we had a lot of ambassador kids, expat kids, and there was a little bit of exposure to that, but not as much as when I moved here, then I truly felt what diversity was. And I actually realized what being a minority was, which is something I had never experienced before. And this, I'm assuming, begins to inform your perceptions of diversity, equity, and inclusion, even before maybe they were labeled. Yeah, as an, as an international student, I found a great group of other international students to become kind of that college family. And I learned a lot from them, from all of them. I had friends from all over the world from the United States as well. And I think that gave me a more of a global exposure to the way that people think, the way that I was able to be received always felt very, very positive. I don't know, it's because I spoke the language. So I did speak English. I was very fortunate to learn English growing up. So the language was not a barrier, thankfully. You know, I've lived half of my life in Colombia and then half of my life in this country. And so I still kind of have those two sides of me where it feels like um, sometimes I feel very American and sometimes I feel very Colombian. It's like I am Colombian by birth, but I'm North American by choice. Mm. I, you know, I went through the entire process of a green card and a residence and a citizenship. And so I do not take for granted the privilege of being a citizen. It's, I'm so proud of that. I am, I feel blessed that I was able to go through that very long process and be able to call myself an American. I'm proud of my dual citizenship of being South American, Colombian and being North American from the U.S. That's, that to me is amazing. It is a dream come true. I grew up coming here on summer vacations. We had some family who lived here. So I was always very connected, but to be able to now work with a theme park where I grew up coming and visiting as a tourist and now being able to be a part of that company and live here and have my children be born and raised 
and this is all that they know, I think it's amazing. That's why I think it's important in the future, I'll continue to expose them to other cultures and travel so that they know that the world is not just what they, what they know and they grew up in. Very important messages, uh, particularly for young people to see, you know, where they fit into this world. Our guest is Alex Manrique, and we'll be back in just a moment to learn more about her career journey and the lessons she pulled out of it. Stay with us. As a member of the Crummer community, you know that it's the people you meet at Crummer who make the greatest difference in your career. So I wanna tell you about Rollins Connect. It's a networking platform that will help you stay connected to over 40,000 Rollins alumni worldwide. And it's available right now. Please go to rollinsconnect.rollins.edu Check it out, and if you need someone to connect to, connect to me, J.B. Adams. That's Rollins Connect, your connection to the Crummer community. Welcome back to Crummer Connections. I'm J.B. Adams, and our guest is Alex Manrique, Manager of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Universal Parks and Resorts, and currently serving as the President of the Alumni Board at the Crummer School. All right, before the break, we were chatting about your early business influences, and now we'd like to learn more about your professional journey. Um, you've made a career in diversity, equity, and inclusion, but you didn't start there. So what I want to understand is how did you find your way to this? What was the turning point that really got you there and had you say, wow, this is where I belong. This is where I fit. Mm -hmm. So the start of my career was more around uh, public relations and advertising. And I felt that that was a good path for me. It um, felt very organic. But once I started the Crummer program, I had a professor, Dr. Bob Prescott, which mm -hmm. hopefully a lot of you know. Everybody knows Dr. Bob. Dr. Bob is amazing. And he, as you know, he speaks Spanish and he's lived and worked in different countries in Latin America. And he always used to say like, senorita, so now what are you gonna do? I'm like, what do you mean what, I'm gonna, what am I gonna do? Well, you're about to graduate, what are you gonna do next? And I said, well, I think I'm on a good track and a good path. I worked with a company for eight years and I had a, a good career with them. But then he said, well, you need to look at your next step or your next chapter. And he connected me with a couple of leaders in the community, I remember meeting with some amazing people who had just great careers, great advice. And through those connections, I was able to meet someone uh, for an informational interview. And I was then tapped for the role for diversity, equity and inclusion, you know, almost 14 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I did not even know what diversity, equity and inclusion was. And yeah. looking back, it was just an, an amazing journey where you are really hoping that as an organization you're positively impacting that human experience for your for your team members for your employees and to know that you are part of an organization that values that that invests in a team to make sure that you're focusing on that making sure that you are cultivating those initiatives and programming so that everyone feels welcome and like they belong i think it's just amazing uh, I speak with human resource professionals and just professionals and leaders in general about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I have many colleagues that work in it. I'm just curious, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing the people in your profession right now? I think that it's, it's a challenge and an opportunity. And it was this last year where we experienced this kind of, um, I know, 
my leader always calls it the great awakening and yeah. she's so right it's a moment in time in history that we all experienced as as humanity where we had amidst the pandemic so many losses of life it made us stop and think what is happening and what are we doing as humanity and even in the corporate space, we are looking at DEI in a different way, where we're really connecting, having those real conversations, making sure that everyone feels like they have a voice and having the, the deeper, raw connections, of course, in a professional manner, but making sure that we're looking at different aspects in the processes, debiasing the processes exactly, um, to make sure that everyone has a, a place and giving a fair and equitable opportunity in, in every step of the way from the time you're a candidate to the time that you're promoted and continue to grow your career within an, an organization all right alex i am processing what you just said and i want to say that i believe that everyone no matter where they go or what they're doing they are looking for the opportunity to find that sense of belonging and i don't know why we didn't say this sooner what is your reaction to that Absolutely. It's like you took the words out of my mouth. I'm baby. so sorry. <laughs> Not nice. Because we've always said, yes, it's, you know, diversity is a state of being. Inclusion is what you do with it. The equity piece, making sure that everyone has the same opportunities, tools, resources, exposure. But at the end of the day, what every human being wants to feel is like they belong. That is, it's a basic need for all of us, right? We all want to feel liked. We all want to feel like we're a part. We all want to feel like we belong and that we matter, that our ideas matter, that our perspectives matter, that our thoughts, our experience. And that's important in a personal setting and extremely important in a corporate professional setting. Because the more you leverage all of those different insights, the better your product or your service will be. Just because you have all of those ideas coming together and creating something that will resonate and speak to more people. And knowing that we are in a global economy, a global world, you're going to have guests or customers from all over the world, and you're going to be able to touch and really resonate with more. All right. I have another provocative statement for you to react to. It's, <laughs> it's this. I know this is not true at Universal because I also know a lot of people working at Universal, and I think they are very effective and genuine about their diversity, equity, and inclusion. That said, I know there are other places where, this is just my perception, the leaders at the top say diversity, equity, and inclusion is so important, but when you look at their actions, it feels like they're delegating it to somebody else, like, go take care of this thing that I said was important, but they may not be bringing it to life. So I'm just curious, do you know other people in the profession where that's what they are encountering and, and how would we overcome that? You know, JB, my reaction to that is that people can see what the intent is of others, of organizations. If there is a diversity, equity, inclusion program, it will definitely touch and impact the employees. Mm -hmm. And the employees, of course, will let you know if you're doing it right or not. 
and as we know, people, not even ex current employees, but even candidates, people who are thinking about, do I want to be a part of this organization? Will, and especially the younger generations will look at, okay, is this organization one that values diverse perspectives? Is this organization one that supports the multicultural communities? Uh, are they walking the walk, right? Exactly. So it's, you, you actually can have many plans in place but if you are really executing and delivering on that with good intent, that when it really shows and people notice. So differentiating, taking what you just said there, talk versus action. What advice would you give to leaders right now to create that sense of belonging and to really execute on diversity, equity, and inclusion? I think the first step is always listening, listening to what people need and want people will tell you if you ask people will tell you what is important to them and making sure that you take all of those opinions and ideas into account you are going to be serving them i think this ties perfectly to the beginning of our conversation when you're serving people you need to make sure that you're serving their needs and those needs are different for everyone but making sure that you are serving the needs of your employees of your uh, company and making sure that you're aligning with your company values. And all of that really in the end is it's not only the right thing to do, it makes good business sense. You're gonna retain your employees, you're gonna keep them engaged, you're gonna be valued and seen as an employer of choice in the community. So it's just, it's a smart thing to do for any company. And it's the long-term sustainable thing to do as well. Mm -hmm. um, I hope you and I can get out there and reinforce people who already see this. And if, if and when it's necessary, perhaps we change some minds as well, because it is just so important to do. Um, last two questions, and then we're going to wrap it up. If there's somebody who's listening to this conversation and they tuned in because of your work, what advice would you give to somebody who's looking at this as a career choice? What are some resources that uh, they should look into? Well, I know that there's a lot more in terms of academic courses uh, currently in different organizations and institutions versus when I was in school. Kremer offers some diversity specific courses and classes. Mm -hmm. I would really look into education and that's always important. There's certifications out there. There's a lot of webinars and courses, even on LinkedIn, there's a lot that you can explore it or Google. You could just Google or YouTube. There are so many resources, many books. There are some amazing books in the last year. There's a couple that I was able to read through some programming and events that were hosted by our parent company on diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I would recommend Ajoma Oluo. Mm -hmm. So you wanna talk about race or Dr. Ibram X. Candy with um, anti-racism and the book with Karen Catlin on allyship. But there's many, there are many books. If you want to learn more about other people and their insights and how they feel about this world around us and how we can better understand each other, I think we all have to keep in mind that we're all diverse human beings. We're all different and we're unique. And we all have unconscious bias. So that's something that's so important to keep just reminding others, we all have our own 
thoughts, our own biases, and it's a normal process. The brain actually protects itself. It's kind of a self-defense mechanism. We have so many stimulus in our brain coming to us like a thousand every second. It's like a crazy number. So what the brain does is it kind of catalogs or buckets things in the world around us to make sure that it's able to protect itself and continue functioning. And it does that with objects and it does that with people. And so that's the reason that we have unconscious bias. Mm -hmm. What we really need to keep in mind is to understand those, to manage them, to make sure that we're learning from others and making sure that those biases do not affect the way that we interact with others. And I think that the more we expose ourselves and the more we connect with people, the more we talk to each other and learn from each other, we find out that we have more similarities versus differences. We're really more alike. If you kind of peel that onion, I like to always compare human beings to onions. You peel those layers and you find that you have so many similarities as human beings, right? We, we've touched on people want to feel like they belong. There's just so many basic human needs and experiences that when you start sharing with others, you're like, huh, you know, we have all of this in common. Yeah. And, and we have to find it. it. It takes a little work, but we have to do the work. Mm -hmm. And I think it's being courageous too, because people always, and I've, I've heard this through the years and a lot lately, you know, people ask me, Alex, what if I say the wrong thing? And I just say, just ask. I'm, I'm pretty sure if people know that you have good intent and you want to learn from others, just ask through through this past year and a half that was so tough for many of our communities, especially our Black, African-American, Caribbean community. A lot of folks that I know would say, well, I want to reach out to my colleagues or my friends and ask how they're doing. And I don't know what to say. I don't know if I'm going to say the wrong thing. What if I disrespect them in some way. And I always used to say, just ask, have the conversation. People know when you're coming with good intent to try and connect and, and they will open up and they will correct you if you say something that's wrong. And also we don't need to put the responsibility on others to educate us all the time. Right. That is why I was, you know, I'm a big proponent of research, read, try to find out the information so that you feel well-equipped to connect with others versus putting that all on them. It's not people's responsibility to teach you. They will correct you, but I think it's important for us to go out and do some research as well. So important. Uh, everything that you're saying is just, it's timely and important for us to act on. Uh, Alex, we are about to wrap up our time together. Is there a message that you would like to give to the Crummer community? What would you like to say? I want to thank everyone for being a part of this community and shameless plug would love for everyone to connect with the alumni board. <laughs> Once you're an alum, you're part of that Crummer family forever. So if you are thinking about, should I attend a, an event? Should I attend session? By all means do. We have so many ways and channels and platforms to do that via LinkedIn, via Facebook, email, just reach out to another fellow Crummer alum and connect and then connect back with us, with the board, with the staff. We want to see you back. We want to see how you're doing. We want to make sure that you're doing well. And if there is anything else that we can do to continue to support that journey that you're on, whatever that is, absolutely. By all means, connect back with us. I, I, I'm in complete agreement. Uh, the show is called Crummer Connections for a reason, and you just spelled it out. Alex Manrique, thank you for joining us on Crummer Connections and sharing your story. It was a great pleasure. Pleasure was all mine. Thank you so much, JB. Thanks, thank everyone. You. Today's show is brought to you by the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. 
Now is a great time to consider enhancing your career success by pursuing an advanced degree in business. And the Kramer School offers a variety of educational programs to help you become a global, innovative, responsible business leader. To learn more about the programs and begin the application process, go to crummer.rollins.edu. The Crummer Graduate School of Business, experience excellence. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again soon with another episode. Crummer Connections podcast series is a production of Victor Media Group. If you like this show, follow us on your favorite social media platform. Today's show was created and hosted by J.B. Adams and executive produced by Gerard Mitchell. Our showrunner is Kyle Sawyer with production assistance by Rachel O'Brien and audio design by Aaron Trinka. Our gratitude goes out to Mike Brown and Loveland Finley in Alumni Relations for their gracious help and support. Until next time, Fiat Lux.